0: FCF in Fresno and online and archived at www.kpfa.org. It's 3 o'clock. It's time for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone, followed by Free Speech Radio News. And don't forget La Raza Chronicles, tonight at 7 o'clock. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Picture. Drop the shadow out of the floor. This is Jennifer Stone with Stones Throw <laughs> Oh my God <goodness. laughs> I'm overwhelmed this week this is too much people it is too much for an old lady it's too Hard. I'm overwhelmed with existential angst, you know. There are all these huge issues. I think I'll skip them all and talk about the Tony Awards or something. I I made a list at two in the morning, you know, about death in the middle of the Atlantic and children going up in flames in Mexico, murder in Juarez, the California budget... Is going to cause people to be sleeping under my windows. Uh, the the weight of it all is too much. I I sat down and I turned on my cable telly, and I watched Nurse Jackie with Edie Falco. Edie uh, Falco is a wonderful actress. She she takes little red pills in this show. Uh, it's a what I would call an update on uh the state of medicine the state of medicine i i uh, I tried to write something about dr. George teller the fact that his clinic is closing and that the anti abortion um the operation rescue people are coming down on our heads and I just threw up my hands I noticed that n p r had This morning they had had one doctor for and one doctor against. Right, you know, it was balanced, they said. Right, okay. One doctor for abortion. How about somebody for the practice of medicine? Before I completely lose my thread here, let me read you from Susan Faludi's Backlash. Just a few little tiny uh. Facts, yes. Just the facts, ma'am. Let us seek truth from facts. By 1987, this is 22 years ago, folks, 85% of our nation's counties had no abortion services. You got that? The American Bar Association voted to rescind its pro-choice policy in 1990. Seven months, only seven months after it had approved it, Bishop Rene Garcida of Corpus Christi, Texas excommunicated the director of a family planning center in town. (laughs) Cast him out of the church. Pardon me, back to the quote. Often in the battle over the fetus's right to life in the 1980s, the patriarch's eclipsed ability to make the family decisions figured as a bitter subtext. George Gilder, those of you who have forgotten George Gilder, was uh, Ronnie Reagan's um, uh, economic advisor. He wrote a fabulous book in 1986 called Men and Marriage. George Gilder expressed the fear underlying much of the male anxiety about female reproductive freedom. The feminist successful campaign for birth control and abortion, he wrote, quote, shifts the balance of sexual power further in favor of women, depletes male patriarchal potency his word potency and it reduces the penis to an empty play thing. Now that's Susan Faludi quoting George Gilder in her book Backlash the Undeclared War Against American Women. Now I think it's declared <laughs> yes gone from a state of siege to a reign of terror. The elder's book is called Men in Marriage. Now, we know all about this pathology. I think of it as uh, not just misogynist pathology, but fascist pathology. Uh, it's all about control. If she's got the baby, well, she's got the ball. Can't have that. Uh, once again, I remember the great B. Arthur way back when in the day... She did the first TV sitcom about abortion, about a middle-aged woman who has a successful, well, successful, who manages an abortion, um, without, uh, uh, too much conflict. It's, it's such a, what is it? It's such a misnomer. Um, uh, I don't know how we work out the language. It's always about the language. I, I don't know. I worry so much about young women. They seem so guilty. Never mind. Check out the TV show Nurse Jackie. I'm sorry that it's on Showtime, which means that, uh, you know, Showtime is a pay cable TV station, and uh, the wonderful Anna Devere Smith has a part in the show. Uh, Jackie's played by Edie Falco. She who was once (laughs) Carmella in the series about the mafia, uh, the Sopranos. Uh, What I love about this show is it's completely in your face. There's no fooling around here. Uh, She's not only addicted to pain pills, uh, she's addicted to reality and... uh, Gets her into so much trouble. I just love the part where she says that the doctors are there to diagnose and the nurses are there to heal. She's trying to explain to a student how to behave, you know, how to work with these doctors. And uh, it's interesting. I remember my, my own father was a general practitioner. And he said that when he was in medical school, it was explained to him that the first task of any doctor is to diagnose. Treatment is another matter, but uh if you can't make the right diagnosis, well, you know. You might as well give it up. Anyway, um I think this show will take the top off the this season for me. I I guess I'm gonna keep my cable for a while. Uh I'm just uh so desperate for Something, something in the way of good theater. I went to see a local production at the Shotgun Players this past week. Uh, It's part one of Faust, and the playwright, he's taken off from Goethe's Faust, the German uh, play Faust, not Christopher Marlowe's Elizabethan play. That's kind of melodramatic. Uh, It's... um, Written, directed, and performed by Mark Jackson. Let's see, another director, Kevin Clark. Uh, freely adapted from Johann Wolfgang Goethe's Faust. I had a little trouble with the play because it is intellectual. It's all about existential angst. The performers were unbelievably good that's what this play is all about, Uh, Mark Jackson is wonderful, and the actor who played, the actor who played Mephistopheles is a miracle, his name is Peter, I R-U-O-C-C-O, I can't pronounce, Uh, anyway, he scared me to death, he was this angelic appearing sweet little guy and I just I kept looking at him and thinking yes that that is the devil we know him Uh, (laughs) there he is he is everywhere Um, sweet-faced dude anyway uh, I think those of us um, who go to the theater trying to find what is that comfort or affirmation uh, you know how it is, conservatives go to the theater to be confirmed in their beliefs, and so do liberals, it's where we go to look for freedom and justice, this weekend, um, Sunday night at the Tonys, there was a wonderful woman, she won Best Actress for her part in Next to Normal and She went over the top. Uh, The audience didn't seem to know what she was talking about. She was talking about art as a salvation, you know, how to save your soul. And uh, art as, um, you know, the key to civilization. And I I couldn't figure out who is it. Gertrude Stein says civilization begins with a rose. I couldn't figure out. uh, The audience did finally kind of get it, I think. Uh, Most of the time, they just go through their... um, there, what do you call that, uh, it's a script they have, the little boys, three little boys who won for Billy Elliot, I think they had memorized their script ahead of time, they were pretty stiff, and, uh, they'd just seen so many award shows, they knew how, how, how to act, that was pretty, pretty pathetic, but, uh, I couldn't figure out what, um, uh, what was supposed to happen, uh, the uh the standard the standard uh list of what do we call those uh uh winners and losers, you know, uh made the parade across the stage and then every once in a while there would be a little eruption of funk. First came Roger Robinson. He won on Tony for Best Actor. He's the lead in Joe Turner's Come and Gone. Those of you who like August Wilson's plays, this famous uh, playwright who died a couple years ago, uh, uh, Roger Robinson thanked his mom and he talked about President Obama and his wife Michelle coming to the show. He said that one of the stagehands told him uh, ahead of time, before it was official, that Obama was coming to see the play. The the president and his wife took a little flack for being so frivolous as to go to see a Broadway show, my God. There was a little uh, brouhaha, some backstage talk uh, about the fact that uh, the director of Joe Turner's Come and Gone was a white guy. And the fact is that uh, several of August Wilson's plays have been directed by white men, one was a woman, I think, a white woman. August Wilson uh, was not fussy about this. I think while he was alive, there were some white directors. Anyway, this seems to be the moment to make an issue of the inclusion of uh, uh, white artists. Anyway, Lincoln Center has a bad reputation uh, when it comes to uh, including black actors or uh, uh, black uh Participants of any kind. So, I suppose making a fuss is a good idea. Uh, I got a kick out of the nostalgia. I, I I don't really watch award shows anymore, but somehow or another Broadway just has the the old old fashioned hoopla. Angela Lansbury won her fifth Tony. She got um she got the award for. Blythe Spirit, the No Coward play, she played Madame Arcati, one of my favorite roles. In Blythe Spirit, Madame Arcati is the spiritual medium who conjures up the first uh, first wife, actually she tries to get rid of the first wife of the lead. I remember the movie with Rex Harrison. It's a trip, very old-fashioned anyway. Angela Lonsberry was... Um, so sweet, she, I kept thinking if only B. Arthur had been there this year, uh, B. Arthur used to say that her happiest moments in the theater were back in 1954 when she played in, uh, uh, Bertold Brecht's, Bertolt Brecht and Kurt Weil's show Three Penny Opera. I just think of her over and over in that play, uh, I suppose she will be remembered forever for golden girls, I mean, as Dorothy Parker says, nevertheless, a girl must eat. I mean it was you know this long running show, and what the hell, but uh she had that wonderful moment early on, uh and of course, she had the series Maud, which was a breakthrough show uh I I guess I am. I am a fan. That's what I am. I just love actors. I see them pouring their hearts out and it helps me to feel that, you know, all this nonsense is worth doing. Uh, I saw Amanda Root from Norman Conquests, one of my favorite actresses. She played the lead in a BBC production of Persuasion. Maybe you remember Amanda Root in Persuasion. Uh, the uh oh, the woman writer who wrote God of Carnage. Oh yes, with the accent, she said, "I've come back to talk to you because I know you love my accent." Oh, a star is born, a woman called Karen, Olivo O L I V O. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly because she's brand new. I noticed she got a special, one of those little reviews in the New Yorker. Because she's not the lead, but she plays Anita in West Side Story, and she won a Tony, and she's obviously the, what I would call the comer. It's absolutely beautiful. Do you remember Rita Moreno playing Anita in West Side Story in the movie? It's that part. Anyway, Karen Olivo is, she's really beautiful, too, which never hurts. Uh, (laughs) I thought about that. Carrie Fisher came on to do the pathetic bit. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, dear old Jeffrey Rush, all these Australians are so cool. He won for Exit the King, which is a wonderful play. He said he was so glad that existentialism is making a comeback on Broadway. Serious plays. Anyway, Exit the King is all about the end of primate grandiosity. Kings and uh, rulers are on their way out. Uh, Susan Sarandon is in that play with him uh and that wonderful actress lauren ambrose she was not at the uh award ceremony lauren ambrose is the young actress she's the one she's long red hair she played the daughter in six feet under she's an amazing actress i expect to see more of her in the future uh Actually, I saw her in a movie the other day with Frank Langella that was just absolutely terrifying, <laughs> you know, trying to make love to that old man. Anyway, Frank Langella got up on stage and mixed up the names, he mixed up Janet McTeer with somebody else. Janet McTeer is another British actress that is on my list of um superstars. I don't know. It's interesting. Marcia Gay Harden won for... Uh, god of carnage and she's another one that people don't you know they recognize her when they see her uh most of the prizes or the big prize went to billy elliot that wonderful show um about the little boy who studies ballet and becomes a great dancer and what i liked about it was well (laughs) it's it's about the father's fight in the um uh, for right to work, right to to his labor uh, issues. The little boy wants to dance. I was checking the uh, channels, and during the award ceremonies, I could switch to the movie Billy Elliot. Now, the father in the Broadway show won a Tony for his role, and the three little Billys, three different actors, do the parts of... Uh, one for uh, their roles. But the movie, the movie was a knockout. I recommend it uh for those of you who want to introduce young boys to the notion that ballet does not make you a sissy. <laughs> Actually, uh there's a wonderful scene in Billy Elliot where one of his little friends is cross-dressing. And the cross-dressing friend puts some lipstick on Billy. And they look just fine. I remember when I was a a high school kid, I remember dressing up my baby brother in drag, and I, um, he was blonde, and I set his hair, that's all he needed, but he got up on stage, and he won the best boy dressed as a little girl, and then people saw his huge, big, clumpy shoes, and that kind of spoiled the picture, but, uh, I think uh, we were pretty cool about those things when I was young. Uh, Anyway, let's see what else there was at the Tony's Horton Fort who has died um, dividing the estate. I have some friends in that one and a friend in the children of some of my friends seem to be in some of these shows, it makes it so, what is that, so homey to look for your pals. Uh, let's see, uh, the Horton Foot play, West Side Story, uh, I think the Stockard Channing bit was the one that, I, I think Stockard Channing is the most, what's the word, uh, empathetic. I, I looked at her dress and I thought, now that, that, is a knockout, uh, Jane Fonda, on the other hand, looked like, um, <laughs> God bless her, she looked like, she looked like your favorite social studies teacher, oh, well, uh, I guess, anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, the best thing, was the uh, the young people and the numbers i was thinking that actually so few americans really get to go to broadway and see these shows the uh musical numbers and the scenes that we got to taste on this show i wish they do um uh, more i must write let's write letters and try to get the broadway folks to put some of these shows on the telly uh no reason why not after all uh the best well I didn't like the Shrek one but that's just me because I have limited capacity to appreciate appreciate some of this stuff I keep thinking that we must get into the uh heavy duty stuff but actually the American musical has a lot of depth. I was thinking the other day, what is that uh, showboat, the one about racism? One of the very first. Uh I tried to write a little piece for today about the history of American theater and whether or not it had helped us to be progressive. And I got nowhere, because of course, always it's the best of times, worst of times. uh The stuff gets what is it, the stuff gets boring and cold, but recently, because I think of the political changes, the theater seems to be coming alive again, waking up here and there, you see it, and all of a sudden, the main thing that happens is that the playwrights, the playwrights get energized. Uh I guess, you know, the art of the 20th century and the 21st century. It's kind of a collage. Uh, We had everything. Uh, I don't think words are enough anymore. I don't know. I, I always say, let me take the script home and I'll read it through and see what's up. But the print is just too cold for modern audiences. Uh, we need the voices and the images. It's just that way, folks. I think that's why I stick with radio. Uh, I can come down here and air my feminosities. If I hand a friend or young person, a student, some little essay that I wrote, you know, uh, I have one here that I put in my folder today yes femicide is not a hygiene spray that sort of thing you know and the kids say oh no no just tell me just explain it to me uh, the medium uh, our medium our media demands some satire uh, kind of demands a slap in the face a zen slap nobody will listen to lectures uh, I don't know, I was thinking, yes, about the uh, production of Faust over at Shotgun. And I think more and more we need to push this notion, what is it we used to say, show, don't tell, show, don't tell. Try to get through to the audience by giving an illustration as my teachers used to say, give us an example. Give us an example. Give us a little <laughs> Jungian fairy tale. You know, uh, talking in the abstract doesn't help. Uh, this cultural anthropology of male and female uh, requires parodies. Yes, a thousand polemics doesn't uh, doesn't go as far as one parody my favorite, let's see, here's an image, men, men learn from the animals, and women learn from the plants, which is why men stand up, and women sit down, see now, that's a little movie, a little picture, (laughs) but telling the young people that equal does not mean the same, that requires a lot of imaging, showing young people, that an androgene is not a hermaphrodite, you know, showing them that love is, what is the word for that, love has got something to do with uh, affection, loyalty, uh, it's all, oh, it's all seven layers deep, and we've got to learn to live with ambiguity and contradiction, in the gene pool of the Holy Fool, yes, the universe is ever-expanding. I was thinking, listening to the uh, pundits this morning talking about uh, the uh, closing of the abortion clinic and thinking that the universe is shrinking for these guys. Uh, they want to contract the universe to fit their structured belief system they're trying to, uh, narrow things down. These, uh, resentniks and rage addicts, uh. I don't know. This national nervous breakdown we're having, uh, it's kind of, what is it? I think of the reptilian brain stem. History's whip, yes. We're being whipped by our brain stems. I call it otherism. The otherism that's built on schism. Uh. I don't know, I thought that the decade, this decade, the first decade of the 21st century, would change everything, and it has, this decade is Dante Red, I think we can rewire, it's a new universe out there, Uh, the nation's hoop is broken and scattered, said Black Elk, and it's up to us to put it back together again, the center, yes, the center, will not hold. There is no center any longer. The sacred tree is dead. Our mother is dying. Even those of us who live in houses feel homeless. We're in this spiritual abyss paved with absence and loss. We've got this technoir nihilism shimmering over the cities, you know. Neon Nazis sleeping. Ah... Uh, What is that out in the suburbs? I call it feel-good fascism filling our offices. Fact-free fascism filling the media. Fear, fear hovering at the back of the bus today. Anyway, I'll talk about the dawning of a new dark age and how it's all deja vu. I'll do that Thursday morning at 8.20. In the meantime, Check out Nurse Jackie Nurse Jackie on uh, Showtime TV. It's an absolute knockout it's uh all about woman's place in medicine and all about uh humanity. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back Thursday morning till then go easy and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. I've had a, you might call it a a friendship with chaos for at least um, 40 years now. In his last year, composer John Cage spoke candidly with filmmaker Henning Loner. Now, Other Minds presents his touching documentary portrait, Revenge of the Dead Indians in Memoriam John Cage at the Sundance Kabuki Cinema in San Francisco speaking IMF in a flash in between in instrumental virtuosity internationalist world assignment of radio frequency see Frank Zappa Yoko Ono Noam Chomsky Frank Gehry and many others describe the importance of Cage's work one showing only Monday June 15th reception at 6 film at 7.30 visit brownpapertickets.com for advanced sliding scale tickets 15 to $50 a benefit for Other Minds otherminds.org for details